to 1 John chapter number 2 tonight. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, so yesterday I had, uh, I had our missions, um, I had our, our missions presentation. I already had it ready to, to, to go. And then, of course, as I mentioned just a moment ago, I noticed that this specific missionary didn't want us to put that on live stream. So I went back and changed that. I'll be honest with you, I was ready. I had a message ready to preach yesterday, and I'm excited about the message. I, I'm excited about giving it to you, but last night, about 8 o'clock, God began to change my direction on that, on that. and uh, and I'm going to be honest, I, I sort of battled with that just for a little bit, but it seemed like this is the way the Lord wanted us to head tonight, and so this is not originally the message that I had planned on giving you. Um, but this uh, seems to be what the Lord wants, and so I'm not going to give you point one, point two tonight. I'm just going to I'm just going to hammer one nail tonight. That's all I'm going to do, and uh, and this is as simple a sermon uh, outline as you've ever heard in your life. But you'll have to take that up with the Lord. All right, that's what this is what He told me to preach, and so this is what I'm going to try to uh, obey Him tonight. So First John two in your Bibles. Let's give you one last opportunity. To stand, we're just going to read one verse tonight. That's the verse you see on the screen. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. John said, and now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear. Well, I hope he's having me preach this because he's getting ready to appear. Maybe Maybe that's what's going on. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And I want to really focus in on that middle part there that we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him. So I want to talk to you about having confidence at his coming. You may be seated tonight and so we're going to pray and jump into this uh, message tonight. I'm just going to preach to you a little bit this evening. And uh, we'll be on our way to the house, Lord willing. Father, we love you uh, and thank you for your blessings. I, I, I just want to say personally, I'm thankful for church. And I know people expect me to say that because I'm the pastor here, but Lord, truth matter is, I come here to be a blessing, but I often come here and end up getting blessed. And that's definitely the case tonight. And so, Lord, thank you for blessing me. Thank you for blessing me through. Lord, through the music, and I don't even know that Brandon knew that, but that last song, Sheltered in the Arms of God, is one of my absolute favorite hymns that we sing. It's one of my favorites. I love it. Lord, I'm glad that you've sheltered me for so many years. You've sheltered this church. You've sheltered my family. You've sheltered our church family. And God, we thank you for that. And then I want to thank you for the great testimonies tonight. Folks just getting up and telling how good you are. Lord, you inhabit the praise of your people. And Father, from day to day, day, we we fight battles and Satan tries to bring things into our life. And we know what he's after, Lord. He's after our praise. God, he he wants our praise to be put down. And so, Lord, I'm so thankful for the praises of your people tonight. And God, we... Thank you for all that's been done. And now, Lord, I pray you'll direct our attention to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, you know the very, very, very simplicity of this message I'm going to bring tonight. 
And when we get done, people will probably say that, well, that was, that was really simple. But I pray you'll use it. And I pray it'll make sense. And I pray it will honor you. And I pray that you'll be pleased because I preach it tonight. And I pray that the Son of God would be lifted up in a great way. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We ask you for your power. We ask you for the filling of the Spirit now. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. And now, little children, abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Let me give you an interesting tidbit about 1 John. 1 John is uh, one of my absolute favorite books in the entire Bible. I love preaching from it. I love singing or I love uh, teaching from it. And uh, scholars believe that, that John's first epistle is not so much a letter to the church, but rather a sermon, that this was John the Apostle's sermon. Think about it. Typically in a, in a, a, a letter addressed to the churches, you'll find usually you'll find a greeting at the first part of the book, and then you'll find a salutation at the end. There again, sort of, sort of showing us that it's a letter. We don't find that in 1 John. Uh, we don't find a greeting. We don't really find a, a salutation. Uh, we don't find anything like this in, in this epistle. And it's believed that 1 John is John the apostle preaching a message to the church of Ephesus where he pastored. And we know that the Lord used the apostle Paul to start the church there in Ephesus. And then later Timothy uh, pastored the church of Ephesus, and then uh, the Apostle John. Some scholars believe that uh, that John wrote the Gospel of John, and then he wrote the Epistles of John, and then he finished by writing, uh, of course, the book of Revelation as he was on exiled on the Isle of Patmos. But a little bit more recently, scholars are beginning to believe that John wrote the, the Gospel of John and then he wrote the book of Revelation, and then later actually wrote the epistles uh, to the church of Ephesus after his exile uh, on the Isle of Patmos. And so again, that, that's not necessarily going to change your life. It's just sort of interesting to think about it. But I do want you to understand that, that we believe that this is probably a sermon. The epistle of John, the first epistle of John, is a sermon. And John the Apostle is preaching, he's preaching this message to the church of Ephesus, and then the Holy Spirit later on has him pin that sermon down that he preached to the church of Ephesus. So with that said, one of the things that we believe about this book is that John is, is preaching to the Ephesian people, and he's preaching it pretty straight. If you read the first epistle of John, it's pretty straight. I mean, it's uh, John you know, doesn't, doesn't beat around the bush. I mean, he really, he really tells it like it is. And so that's when we come to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And John says, and now, little children, uh, children abide in him. And again, again, get this in your mind. He's, he is preaching to the Ephesian people. And he says that when ye shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Now, let me draw out a couple words there out of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. The first word is the word abide. John says, I want you to abide. Uh, Ephesus, I want you to abide. Church of the Ephesians, I want you to abide. It's important that you abide in the Lord. It is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, and it means to continue. But it also means this. It means in relation or expectancy. And so again, John's given us a very, he's given us a very important message. 
He's given this message to the church of Ephesus, but this is also relevant to you and I. John says, church, I want you to abide in him. I want you to uh, I want you to live in expectancy. That's what that word means, expectancy. I want you to live like you're expecting the Lord to come back at any moment. That's what he's saying. And so he writes this very pointed letter to the church or a sermon to the church, and he says, hey, church, listen to me, listen to me. He said, you need to understand something. The Lord may return any moment. And by the way, Calvary, can I just give us that same message tonight? The Lord may return at any moment. And, uh, you know, you heard me say this several weeks ago. Miss Tammy and I, and, of course, Miss Tammy don't care about it anyway. She cares nothing about the news. And, uh, but I've been trying to, you know, been lim- we've been limiting our diet, our, our, our news diet. Uh, but I've been trying to at least keep up on Israel the last few weeks and just uh, watching enough news to know what's going on and, uh, with, with Israel and around the world. And, uh, oh, church, I'm going to tell you something. Man, oh, man. If we've ever seen what seems to be the stage being set, it's being set right now. And so we ought to be living with expectancy. I believe it's sooner than later. I believe the Lord is coming. I believe that, uh, I, I believe that we're seeing prophecy literally being fulfilled. Uh, and that's a different message. And I'm not going to get uh, chase that rabbit, although that rabbit has a lot of meat on it. And uh, listen, one of the ways, you know what the Lord told us? One of the ways we know the end is coming is that there's going to be a great gathering again in Israel of his people. You say, preacher, what's going on in America? All the college campuses and and the hate speech and what's going on with people? Uh, I mean, people are siding with... uh, People are siding with, with uh, Palestine and, uh, and people that put babies in ovens and people that cut babies' heads off and, and people that uh, have taken all these hostages and, and people that put their, uh, their you know, missiles in, in uh, daycares and schools and all these things. And yet the American people are siding with the Palestinian people and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and all this hate is going against the Jewish people. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's going to happen is it's going to cause a lot of these Jewish people who have already been promised citizenship in Israel. If they want to come there, they're, they're promised citizenship. And so they are going back. They're going back. Wait a minute. That's exactly what the Word of God told us was going to happen. And so when we see these things starting to happen, the Bible says you better look up. Your redemption draws nigh. And so that's what John is saying to the people here. Listen, we're to live in expectancy. But then I want you to notice the word confidence. And now, little children, abide in him. Live with expectancy. When he shall appear, uh, that we may have confidence. It's the Greek word parisia, and it means all outspokenness or free and fearless confidence. Now, again, get this. In other words, John is challenging us to live now in such a way so that it won't be awkward later. In fact, I want to say that again because that's really the thought that God gave me and that's where this message came from. John says, church, I want you to live now in such a way so it won't be awkward later. Now, church, simple. I'm not going to put points on the screen tonight. I just want to talk to you a little bit. I just want you to think with me just a little bit tonight. And uh, 
uh, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet. I, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a pastor. But, but boy, I, I, God knows, I, I, I do try. I try to walk with the Lord, and I try to make sure that I spend time with him, and I try to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and, and I ask him to, to give me truth for his people. And, and listen, God knows we were heading a different direction tonight, and God came and said, that's not what y'all, I want you to do. I want you to go a different direction uh, this evening. And so I want, you to, I want you to hear me out tonight about this thing of living now in such a way so it won't be awkward later. Boy, how many know this life has its share of awkward moments, doesn't it? What do you mean, preacher? Well, let me give you some examples. We all know the awkwardness of, for instance, starting a new job. Uh, Most of us know that. Uh, Having a new boss. I remember uh, 30, I can't believe that, but 32 years ago when uh, Miss Tammy and I came back from Bible College and uh, located here in North Carolina. And, and uh, anyway, long story short, we started pastoring here at Calvary in 1991. And the church was just a little tiny, you know, a little tiny nucleus of people at the time. And they couldn't support a pastor full time. There was no way. And so uh, I knew I was going to have to get employment. And so went down here to Statesville and I started working at, at Bally, which later became Sarah Lee. And and I worked on second shift. I remember that, and uh, in the warehouse there. And I remember that the uh, the warehouse crew was just a small crew. It was about six or seven guys, uh, you know, that really made up the whole crew. And I can remember, man, you talk about awkward. That was awkward. Now, why was it so awkward, man? I was fresh out of Bible college. I mean, I was fired up. I was pastoring Calvary, and and I can remember, man. I can remember carrying my Bible every night to work. I mean, every night I carried my Bible to work. And I can remember setting my Bible on the break room table and we'd have break. And man, I can remember those guys getting in that break room and I mean, just filth. I mean, just talking filthy. And they knew. I mean, they knew I was a pastor. They knew I was a preacher. They saw my Bible laid on the table and that didn't seem to discourage them. They had no regard for God and just cursed and profane and vulgar. And, you know, there were times when I had to sort of, I had to sort of eat off by myself because, I mean, it was just, it was just so wicked. And uh, again, I just want to get in your mind, you know what, awkward. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you worked at places like that. You've started new jobs. You had a, a boss and maybe you weren't used to that type of boss and maybe, maybe they were uh, domineering. Maybe they were, uh, you know, they were really down on you and hard to work for or maybe you had a supervisor or maybe you had some employees that you had to work with and boy, it was just, I mean, it was troublesome and it was problematic and, and, and boy, it took you a little while to get used to that. It was, it, was, it was just awkward and that's the key word tonight. Man, it was just awkward starting that, that new job. Not only that, we all know the awkwardness of becoming a student at a new school. Some of you, when you were younger, your parents moved, and, man, you were already in a school somewhere, and then, man, I mean, you had to enroll in another school. And, I mean, now you got to make new friends. And remember that? Remember how awkward that was? Remember going to that new school, and you didn't know where to go, didn't know the teachers, you had learned some of those teachers at the other school, and you had a lot of friends, and you knew those kids, but boy, this is a, this is a new place and a new location, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe, you went from, uh, maybe you went from elementary school to the middle school, and, and you're so used to the, to, to the elementary school, now you're going to the middle school, or maybe you went from the middle school to the high school, and uh, you're thinking, oh, man, or maybe you went from the, from the high school to college. 
Boy, I remember that. I remember, man, I remember enrolling in Bible college and good night, church. I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> I was so wet behind the ears and green. I didn't know what to expect. And I can remember, man, we moved up there a little early and, you know, got settled and, and the registration day came and I remember going over to the college and there were hundreds, I mean, there were hundreds of students there and I, I can remember those long lines and, and uh, you know, you have to go to this table and you have to fill out this form and then you have to go to the next table and you have to fill out this form and you have to go to the next table and you have to sign up for this class and, and, uh, uh, and I mean, it was just, you know, it was just on and on and on and, and I didn't, you know, didn't really know what to sign up for and, and didn't know what to expect, didn't know what to think. It was just, it was awkward. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it was just, there was, a, there was an awkwardness. And I was excited about going to Bible college, but man, I was, I was you know, I was apprehensive. Didn't know what to expect. Didn't know what to think. Man, it was just, there, there was a, I mean, there was just an awkwardness about that. We all know the, the awkwardness of visiting a new church. Some of you haven't been coming to Calvary very long. And you're glad you came. At least I hope you're glad you came. But when you first came, you're like, you know, it's awkward. Where do we sit? Who do we sit with? Is there going to be a place, you know, is there going to be a place to sit? How do we dress? How do they dress? You know, are we going to be welcomed, you know, when we come? Am I going to enjoy the service? Is it what I'm used to? Is it not what I'm used to? And, and by the way, by the way, you know, they tell us, and we'll get more into this on Saturday, but did you know they tell us that people make, just within, within about just the first few minutes, people make the decision whether they'll ever come back to the church again? Within the first few minutes of coming on the property, maybe coming in the door. Listen, long before the preacher preaches, long before uh, the choir sings, people are already formulating their decisions whether they're ever gonna come back. Oh, listen, you know what that means? Listen, this, it's not just important for the, for the pastor to be right. It's important for the people to be right. Man, it's important that we welcome. It's important that we roll out the red carpet. It's important that, we, that we're the welcome wagon. Why? Because some of those people that we meet and greet and welcome, some of those people are lost. And we don't want them just at Calvary. We want them to come to Jesus. Man, that's, listen, it's not about them being a member at Calvary Baptist Church. It's about them being a member of the kingdom of heaven. But we know, listen, we, under, we, we, we remember that. We, we remember, by the way, let me just say this too. That's why we're so serious about the hospitality team ministry here at Calvary. We want to do our best to try to remove that awkwardness. You know, people come to the new church and they're like, man, I don't know where the bathrooms are. I don't know where the nursery is. I don't know, where the sun, I don't know which Sunday school class we're supposed to go to. Y'all, y'all with me? Man, it's just awkward. I mean, there's just a, there's a sense of awkwardness there. I thought about this. We all know the awkwardness of visiting a new doctor. Man, that's awkward. I mean, you go in, you say, I've got an appointment today, you know. Have you ever seen Dr. Bottle Stopper? No, I, I never have, you know. 
okay, well, you'll need to fill this out, you know. And, <laughs> and they either give you a clipboard or they give you a, a tablet of some kind. And you've got to go back to your seat. Man, you've got to answer all, you know, you've got to answer, you know, 42 different questions about, you know, about your health. And you've got to fill this out and you've got to fill that, that out. They want your insurance information and, and they want your credit card, you know, they want your credit card number. And, and uh, I mean, they want, your, they want all your history. And then, you know, they finally see you and uh, they got to take your blood pressure. And then they, they got to take your temperature. And then you got to step up on the scales. Come on now, you know. And I'm thinking, hey, is it okay? Is it okay if I like take some stuff out of my pockets first? Can I do that? Or, you know, can I take my shoes off? My shoes weigh 40 pounds. You're not going to believe that, but they really do. And but I mean, it's just, it's just awkward. I mean, anybody else can identify with that? I mean, the, the, the doctor says, you know, open up, stick your tongue out. He sticks this stick in your mouth, you know, and it's like, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, man, I mean, it's just, and if they're not sticking a stick in your mouth, they're sticking a swab down your nose. Man, I remember my first COVID test. I'm like, man, what are you swabbing? I mean, what are you swabbing? They swabbed my brain. That's what they were swabbing. Oh, the how, far, how much further can that thing go in my head? I didn't even know that cavity was that deep. I, I didn't even know. Awkward. Now, that's as far as I'm going to go with that illustration. Because <laughs> that's the pretty, that's the pretty stuff right there. I mean, you know, that's as far as I'm going to go with, with that illustration. But it's just awkward. I mean, there's an awkwardness to it. I thought about this. Many of us know the awkwardness of sitting down with a banker attempting to secure a loan. You ever done that? You ever got ready to buy a house or to purchase something large and you thought, well, we're going to get a loan, you know, and you go to the bank and, and I mean, you have to set up an appointment and uh, you sit out there for a little while in the waiting room, you know, and then a little bit later the banker comes back and he gets you, he says, come on back, and brings you into his office and, and I mean, they want you to fill out, I mean, every form in the book. You've got to fill it out. And, and not only that, but you've got to tell them every personal thing about your financial, your financials. I mean, they want to know it all. I mean, you've got to tell them what you make. You've got to tell them what your wife makes. You've got to tell them what, 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 what this payment is and how much it is and what it's going for. And I mean, I mean you're divulging all this stuff. Man, all this information, and you're just like, wow. This is awkward. You know, I, I remember Miss Tammy and I, we were buying our, buying our house, and, and we went to the bank, and, and same thing. Man, we're filling out all this paperwork and stuff, and, and they're, you know, checking our credit and all this stuff. And I remember we went back over to the bank. They called us back over to the bank, and we sat down with the banker, and I, I can remember her saying, looking across there, she says, now, now, Tell us about this bankruptcy. And I was like, excuse me? She said, tell us about your bankruptcy. And I said, ma'am, I'm going to tell you about my bankruptcy. I don't have a bankruptcy. You know what? This is crazy. There was a man, by the way, not far from here, who had the same exact name as me, and his bankruptcy was on my credit report. Uh, so... You might want to check your credit. Check your credit, all right? Okay. 
You don't have to pay any extra for that commercial tonight, okay? Wait a minute now. Listen. You know what? Awkward. That was awkward. I mean, it's just awkward, awkward. How about this? We all know the awkwardness of seeing a blue light flashing behind our vehicle. I mean, most of us do anyway. You've seen that blue light. I mean, listen, you're minding your own business. You're on your way home. You're not hurting anybody. And all of a sudden, these strobe lights start going off and these blue lights start going off and Brother Atlee steps out. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. And you're like, Atlee, I was minding my own business, you know. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing, you know, even if, even if you weren't doing anything, it's just awkward. Is that right? I mean, listen, it happened the other night for us. And Miss Tammy loved it, man. She just loved it because I don't ever get pulled over. She loved it. I mean, it's been years. I'm telling you, it's been years since I got pulled over. Man, we were at the church. We closed up the church, locked up everything. And it was late. I mean, it was, man, it was, I don't know, probably close to 11 o'clock. And, and we get in our car, in the truck, and we're going, you know, we're, we're, uh, we get up here on 9 and 1. We start heading over to the interstate. And, uh, and I saw two sheriff deputies right up here at the Christian church, and I saw him pull out. After he pulled out. I went by, and he pulled out. And he was right on me, and I thought, uh-oh. Something ain't right. But I knew it wasn't speeding. And so we got on up, you know, a little closer, not quite to the store up there, but a little closer to the store, and sure enough, man, there come those blue lights. And so we pulled over, and... By the way, just in, my wife's in nursery night, so you can talk to her about this. We pulled way off the road in a parking lot, no, no danger of cars hitting us or anything like that. And when the deputy sheriff came to the truck, he did not come to my side. He came to my wife's side. You know why? Because she looks more of a, like a terrorist than I do. That's exactly <laughs> right. He came to her side. And, uh, I mean, he's got his light, you know, he's shining his light. And, 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 you know, I've still got my tie and my white shirt on and all that. I mean, he could tell we weren't a threat. And, uh, and he said, can I have your license registration? I gave him my license registration. He said, Mr. Pope, he said, the reason I stopped you, he said, your tag light's burned out. Your tag light's burned out. Now, wait a minute. That's all it was. And we had a good, good laugh and he looked like a kid. He looked like he wasn't old enough to be out of high school yet. And, and Miss Tammy told him so, you know. And I mean, he just, he was just, he just looked like a kid. And, and she was laughing. The whole time he's doing this, she's laughing. And she said, man, I'm so glad you did this. He hadn't been pulled over forever. Pray for my wife. I'm telling you, pray for me. Now, wait a minute now. The tag light was out. That was it. But it was awkward. You know why it was awkward? Because here's the pastor of Calvary Baptist Church pulled over in a parking lot and blue lights are flashing <laughs> behind my truck. It's awkward. I didn't, I didn't necessarily commit a crime. He didn't give us a ticket. He just told me my tag light was out. But I'm just telling you, it was, listen, it was awkward. But I wonder how many Christians have thought about the awkwardness of what it's going to be like to stand before the Lord. It's one thing to stand in front of the doctor. It's one thing to visit a new class in school. 
It's one thing to see those blue lights flashing in your rear view window. But I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what it's going to be like when one of these days we finally, and we will by the way, when we finally stand before the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, I want to ask us a question. Is there at least a chance that it will be awkward and uncomfortable? And here's my answer to that. For those who haven't readied themselves, it's going to be awkward. You know, we hear so much about going to heaven, going to heaven, going to heaven, going to heaven. And, and, and listen, I'm all for that and preach on it and have preached on it. And I love to preach on heaven and you love to hear preaching on heaven. And we love to sing songs about heaven. And we're going to keep on singing songs about heaven. And we're going to keep on praising God for heaven. And we're going to keep on preaching messages about heaven. But church, uh, listen, I just want to remind us tonight. And it seemed like the Spirit of God really impressed us on my heart last night. And I don't know why. But I just want to remind us that long before we walk on that street, of gold and long before we see that gate of pearl and long before we, we get a drink from that, that crystal river, long before any of those things, listen, you and I have an appointment to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if we haven't read it ourselves, man, it's going to be You say, preacher, you got any Bible on that? I think I do. The Apostle Paul actually spoke about it. Will you take your Bibles? And we're, we're just about done. But would you take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and look at verse number 9 with me tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and verse number 9. And notice what the Apostle Paul says here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9 Paul says, wherefore we labor. And Calvary, that's what we're doing here. That's what you're doing. That's why you do what you do. That's why you, that's why you go to the nursing home. That's why you minister in the public school. That's why you get her early and serve as hospitality. That's why you teach a Sunday school class. That's why you, you serve in the nursery. That's why you help out in the parking lot. That's why you serve on the safety team. And on and on and on it goes. That's why we do what we do. We labor. Wherefore we labor, Paul said, wherefore we labor. Whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Look at verse number 11. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We don't hear very many messages on that anymore. We hear a lot about the love of God, and I'm all for that. But if it's in the Bible, we ought to preach it, amen? And Paul says to the Corinthian church here, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. You say, preacher, what's that mean? The terror of the Lord. It means what it says. Now, it means, it, it's, an, it's a word that it means the fear of the Lord. We ought to live in the fear of the Lord. And we ought to live with expectancy, knowing that he's coming. 
But as we approach that day, we ought to approach it with the fear of God. We ought to approach it understanding something that you and I are going to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Listen, I, I don't even know if I can, I don't know if I can, I can compress that. What's it going to be like? Can you imagine standing in the presence of a God who told the sun, go there and stay? A God that took the moon and put the moon in space and said, stay there. A God that sprinkled the stars in the universe. A God that sculpted out the oceans. A God that, that, that reached down and with the dust of the earth created the first man and with a rib created the first woman. And I'm talking about, uh, I'm talking about an almighty, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent God. Church, listen, you know what we're doing today in our churches? We're living like that day's not coming. And it is coming. You say, preacher, why are you being so deep on Wednesday night here lately? I'm not trying to be deep. I'm just trying to be realistic. And I'm just, listen, I, 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 listen, I want to make sure that when that day comes, because it's coming, I want to make sure that I'm ready. And I want to make sure my church is ready. Because it's coming. It's coming. Hebrews 10, 31, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Proverbs chapter nine, verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we're gonna be done, but I, I wanna, I, I started thinking about this, this thing of standing before God, you know, standing before God. And I thought, Lord, is there any, is there any like illustrations or something we can, you know, something we can point to that sort of gives us an idea of what it's going to be like. And this is where the Lord directed me. Take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. And in Daniel chapter 5, we read about a man by the name of Belshazzar. And I really believe Belshazzar is a picture of what it's going to be like to stand before a holy God. And can I remind you of this as well where you're turning? Belshazzar lived for the now. And definitely not for the later. And boy, you talk about awkwardness. Daniel 5, verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast. And boy, it really was. To a thousand of his lords. Now, for, folks, I want to tell you something. That's a party. That's a party. A thousand. And drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine. Now, watch, watch this close, church. Whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels. Notice this little phrase right here. Which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem. That the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Now wait a minute now. Go back and study this out. And you'll find out that God humbled Belshazzar's dad. He humbled him. In fact, the Bible tells us about Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar's dad, that when God got done with him, when when Nebuchadnezzar came back to his right mind, he said this, there's no God like the great high God. And yet here's a boy that didn't have enough sense to learn from what happened to dad. And so he gets all caught up in himself and prideful 
And he says, hey, go down there to that house of God and bring those vessels up here. And we're going we're gonna to drink out of those vessels, those holy sacred vessels. We're going to drink liquor out of those vessels. Verse 3, then verse three. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes and his wives, his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. Verse 5, uh-oh. In the same hour came forth fingers. And by the way, I don't believe it was a hand. I believe it was fingers. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. And look at this. And wrote over against the candlestick, brother, where everybody could see it. And wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote Look at verse 6, church. Then the king's countenance, his face, his facial expressions. Then the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. What happened, preacher? Belshazzar had a meeting with God. And you know what our Bible's telling us, their church? He couldn't hold himself together. By the way, that same night, you know what happened, don't you? He lost his life. God killed him. A.W. Tozer said it like this. Before the judgment seat of Christ, my service will not be judged by how much I have done, but by how much of me there is in it. No man gives it all until he is given all. No man gives anything acceptable to God until he has first given himself in love and sacrifice. And I just came here tonight, church, to challenge us to live for the Lord Jesus and give him our absolute all. Why? So we can face him in free and fearless confidence. That's what I'm talking about tonight. Some of you remember, some of you remember this story. We have a few NASCAR fans in this room. Tonight it was 2001, the Daytona 500. A guy by the name of Dale Earnhardt, and everybody knew him. Everybody knew who he was. I mean, if anybody knew anything, you didn't even have to know anything about racing, but you knew about Dale Earnhardt. It's the final lap, the final lap of the Daytona 500. When Dale Earnhardt is tapped from behind, he's going 180 miles an hour. And as he was tapped from behind, he crashed into the wall. Most people didn't even think it was that bad. But they went out, when they went out to try to start assessing what was going on, they found out Dale Earnhardt was dead. The autopsy report stated that he had died of blunt force trauma to the head. But listen to this part of the story. It's been suggested that he may have survived the crash if he had been wearing a special safety device called a Hans or a head and neck safety device. But when they tried to put the device on Dale Earnhardt, he decided against wearing it because he said it restricted his movements too much. His neglect, more than likely, cost him his life. 
You see, there's something Dale Earnhardt didn't realize. Dale Earnhardt had no idea that he was on a collision course with a racing wall that day. Did you know the truth of the matter is tonight, Calvary Baptist Church, every one of us are on a collision course with God's judgment. It's coming. And this world can live like it's not going to happen. But I got news. It's coming. And by the way, they are living like it's not coming. Mom, stay off of me about this church thing. Okay. I'm just telling you, you're on a collision course. Preacher, why is it so important that we get involved and serve in the ministry and serve the Lord and be here every service? Why? Because, friend, we're on a collision course with the judgment of God. And we want to make sure, according to John, what John preaches to the church of Ephesus is this. When that day does come, make sure you can stand before him with confidence. Perfect? No, no, no. Well, Lord, I gave it my best shot. Wow. Now, I don't know why God wanted me to preach this message tonight. I have no idea. But I believe he wanted me to preach it. And I hope nobody here tonight has a collision course anytime soon. But it could be. And it could be, church, that before we even make it to our driveway tonight, the trumpet of God may sound. And there's that collision course. And we're, we're going to meet God. We're going to stand before him. Here's the question. Are you ready? You say, Pastor, I'm saved. I understand this is the backbone of our church tonight. Most of you here tonight probably are saved. I'm not necessarily talking about salvation. But are you ready? Are you ready? Truth of the matter is, if Dale Earnhardt would have known that day, final lap, he was going to hit that wall at 180 miles an hour, I got a feeling Dale Earnhardt would have put that safety device on. But he didn't know. But here's the thing, we know. And so that God would help us to be ready for the coming of the Lord. Will you bow your heads with me tonight? Father, we love you. God, I'm just thankful for the Holy Spirit. I'm thankful that he guides us and he leads us. And although I do make no claims to be a prophet tonight, at least not an Old Testament type prophet, I cannot foretell the future. But Lord, I do believe this. I believe there is a Holy Spirit. And I believe he leads his men to preach certain things. And God, it could be It's very, 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 very possible. This message was for me. In fact, I I believe it was for me. Because I know something, Lord. I'm on a collision course with the judgment of God. Just as sure as I'm here, I'm going to stand before him. Just as sure as I'm here. It's coming. And oh God, help me to be ready. Oh God, help me to be ready. God, I want to stand before you with confidence. God, I want to stand before you with expectancy. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. I know this is a Wednesday night. 
But Lord, it could be there's somebody here this evening that needs to make a decision. It could be there's somebody here tonight that needs to tiptoe down to this altar and just seal a decision between them and thee. God, so tonight I pray that you'd, you'd work in hearts. I know beyond a shadow of that there are people here tonight that are so burdened about their loved ones because their loved ones have a collision course as well. So God, help us to pray like we've never prayed. Help us to witness like we've never witnessed. Help us to give out gospel tracts like we've never given out gospel tracts. God, have thy way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Let's all stand tonight, if you will, please, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And if you, listen, just for a moment, if you need to to slip out, tiptoe down to this altar, do business with the Lord, listen, the altar's open. Maybe tonight you need to come and just say, Lord, tonight's the night. I'm rededicating my life to the Lord. I'm recommitting my life. Lord, I want to get busy. Lord, I want to serve you like I've never served you. Lord, I want to be a soul winner like I've never been a soul winner before. God, I've got some people I need to reach. I need to reach those people with the gospel. If that's you, tonight, you just slip out. You just slip out. God, help me to preach like I've never preached. Help me to teach my Sunday school class like I've never taught. God, help me to get serious about my ministry like I've never been serious. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not in a ministry. But tonight you'd come and say, Lord, show me what you want me to do. I'll do it. Lord, I'll get involved. I'll do it. I'll give up some time on Sunday. I'll give up my entire Sunday if that's what you want. Lord, I'll do it. I'm willing. Because I understand I've got a collision course with judgment. God, I'm willing. You want me to teach? I'll teach. God, you want me to help out in the nursing home? I'll do it. Lord, you want, me to, you, you want me to serve in the public school? I'll do that. God, you want, me, you, you want me to help clean the church? I can do that. I can do it. I can run a dust mop. I can clean a commode. I can help out in the nursery. I can serve out in the parking lot. God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Because I know I've got a collision course with the judgment of God. Folks are coming. Are there others? Anybody else need to come before we go? May we be what God wants us to be tonight.